This week on episode 515 of Priority One, the Federation headquarters finds a new home in Ohio. The USS Steve Jobs, <coughs> I mean Kelvin, <coughs> might have a reason for why it looks so flashy. And in gaming, Star Trek Online's new time currency sync might have worked. Later, Dr. Michael Chan looks on screen with an analysis and review of the short trek Children of Mars. RPN the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 515 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, July 6th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, July 9th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. And I'm Roscoe. And unfortunately, no cat this week. She's fallen ill with Andorian flu or whatever Star Trek disease you want to think of. Andorian flu, that's nasty. I've heard, I've heard. But we wish her a speedy recovery and we're sure she'll be back next week. How was your uh, weekend of the 4th? It was uh, quiet and relaxing. We went out on Friday night with some of Allie's friends to a little hipster town in Pennsylvania called New Hope. Caught some dinner and uh, had some great conversation and then the rest of the weekend was pretty low-key. Fantastic. That is excellent. Thank you, thank you. We hope that We hope that those of you that did celebrate in the United States did so safely and still have all your fingers. Well, my weekend, I was due to travel south to a place called the Gold Coast, which is... uh, I hear they have a great buffet. They do. They do. (laughs) They have an amazing buffet. They also have fantastic weather and it's a very tourist-focused spot in Queensland. They have an annual marathon festival and I was about to go running the, the 10K in that but unfortunately, snap three-day lockdown due to COVID-19. So that got postponed. But luckily, a local triathlon club with a couple of days notice organized a marathon, a half marathon, and a 10K event. So they did an amazing job. We ended up just running along the foreshore uh, here in this part of Queensland, and it was absolutely beautiful. So I still got to do my 10K on Sunday morning, and it was fantastic. Good for you, man. Good for you. And I'm glad that the vaccine didn't knock you out for too long and that you were able to uh, get back on the trails. We hope that you all had a wonderful weekend. And now it's time to welcome new listeners to our show. And we hope that you'll stay in touch with us because you see, this show is produced by a community of volunteers who donate their time and their talents and like you are passionate about what Star Trek is all about. So we ask you to get involved and be a part of our podcast community. Follow us on social media so you can share your thoughts about the weekly headlines and have them read aloud on our show. Or consider joining the team and lending your time and 
and talents to producing this show. Now, if you don't happen to have the time to participate in the production of a podcast, we do have a Patreon page where you can offer a financial contribution each and every month to make sure that we can keep the lights on, that we can keep improving on the show and the technology behind it. You may have seen some headlines that Audacity is garbage now, thanks to some terms of service changes that now pretty much classify it as spyware. So in order to continue to produce a show, we want to do it safely where our volunteer editors can have the tools at their disposal to help us continue to edit this show without compromising their computers. So again, we have a Patreon page over at patreon.com forward slash priority one, where we offer some tiered incentives for your monthly contributions, like an extra show called After Hours. We've currently been live watching some of the short treks and tonight's our last one. So if you are interested in in a mystery science theater style format of reviews for the short treks, be sure to trek us out over at patreon.com. And speaking of patrons, we do need to welcome Berthulf. Thank you so very much for your contributions and for your support of the show. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. If there's one thing that could be said about Star Trek fans is that they work hard to celebrate their passions for the franchise, often by donating their time and talents to labors of love, like a podcast. But a particular fan group known as The Federation is one such organization that takes it to the next level. For over 36 years, the group's goal has been to, quote, provide, promote, and support education and positive legal activism in the area of human rights, racial and sexual equality, environmental causes, and space exploration. To promote a more positive impression of Star Trek fans as intelligent, socially conscious, active individuals who are aware and concerned about the real world today, end quote. Having worked directly with Gene Roddenberry in its early years, the group boasts over 2,000 members with over 30 chapters. Now, the group is settling down its official headquarters in Huron, Ohio. Joining them to christen the new location will be Nichelle Nichols, known best by fellow Trekkies as Uhura from the original series. Money raised during the event will go to Nichelle Shell's retirement fund. So if you happen to be in the Ohio area the weekend of September 10th, be sure to grab a ticket to one of Nichelle's final appearances. That's really wonderful that they're donating directly to Nichelle and keeping her safe and happy and well and and looking after her and her retirement. That's a, a really beautiful thing, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, I think many Trekkies might be aware of and have seen the crowdfunding campaigns to help her. Uh, we, I think we might have briefly covered it several, several months ago, mm -hmm. but there's a lot to it that we just don't know about and therefore we don't want to, we're not a gossip podcast, so we're not going to be gossiping about it, right? We want to make sure that what we deliver is actual you know, news. Uh, but Nichelle has had some legal difficulties over the last several years uh, over conservatorship, things like that. You can go ahead and Google it and read up on it on your own. Uh, but the, yeah, right. This is a very good way of, of supporting her. She's done so much in pop culture to, to shape young minds and to help shape the future that 
that, you know, a, a, a little stop like this in Ohio with surrounded by fans is certainly, uh, a, certainly a great way to support her. What to get your favorite Trekkie for Christmas? It's the question you have six months to ponder. And thankfully, we at Priority One are here to help. Unfortunately for the Captain Picard fanatic, I have terrible news. In the prop store's most recent auction, the original flute from the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, The Inner Light, sold for $190,000. It was sold among other items, including the original Statler and Waldorf puppet heads from The Muppets, Harry Potter's glasses, and Indiana Jones' fedora as worn in the Temple of Doom, which sold for $375,000. If those items were a little outside your budget, then Hallmark have previewed their exclusive offerings coming to the home version of San Diego and New York Comic Cons. They'll be offering limited quantities of a few exclusive ornaments, including a Star Trek Klingon Bird of Prey. Released in honour of the 35th anniversary of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, the one with the whales. Admiral, there'll be whales here! Yeah, the Klingon Bird of Prey ship comes complete with the HMS Bounty paint stylings from the movie. It will set you back $35 with only 3750 available. Now, occasionally the creators of Star Trek throw the fans a curveball. Whether it's giving Klingons a complete makeover using a Rod Stewart song as a theme or giving Klingons yet another makeover. They are Klingons and it is a long story. But one change that stirred the pot was the bridge redesign in the Kelvin timeline. You know, the one that looked like an Apple store. For all intents and purposes, J.J. Abrams put an Apple store on the bridge with lots of additional lens flare. But one intrepid fan over at Den of Geek wants to try and help fill those canonical gaps with some of his own thoughts and observations. You see, according to Ryan Britt's headcanon, it all makes sense. First, it starts with an explanation from screenwriter Roberto Orsi and director J.J. Abrams. Orsi seems to have explained that Starfleet reverse-engineered the Narada's tech from scans taken by the USS Kelvin. Britt goes on to point out that this might be a plausible explanation given that New Trek on Paramount Plus, you know, Picard, Discovery, has finally embraced and acknowledged the existence of the Kelvin timeline. So there you have it. The USS Steve Jobs explained. So all the shuttlecraft that were scooting away from the Kelvin before it exploded, their sensors gone through. The idea is in, in head cannon, they've scanned the Narada and gone, this technology is incredible. We're going to download that, download the scans because there was a lot of them we got a lot of scans and from that Starfleet has reverse engineered basically a whole bunch of leds to go around behind their consoles to, to make right, battle right, stations right. to literally make battle stations right. with lens flare right 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 i there's a there's i have a hard time wrapping my mind around this like I, when when creators of official content have to kind of explain these things off camera and in interviews and whatnot i feel like it defeats the purpose, right? These dramatic changes to Star Trek that have happened over the course of these, at, at, well, since the J.J. Abrams, Kelvin timeline. 2009. Um, you know, they just... I feel like they end up having to explain it later more than anything else, right? There, there's just, whereas if you watch The Mandalorian, where you watch Loki or something on, you know, Marvel, 
you don't you don't ever really need to hear any of those kind of explanations. It all just makes sense. So I don't know. I I I understand the concept of world building and crossing media platforms, like you know, book tie-ins, comic tie-ins, video game tie-ins. That's all fun in games. If there happen to have been some games and comics to have actually explained these things. So sure, I guess yeah, they took scans and then reversed engineered Romulan Borg technology to then create a very white Apple Store with lots of lighting. Uh, or you can just say, eh, we just didn't want it to look like anything Star Trek before. And so we redesigned the whole thing to in, in JJ's image. I completely disagree. I love, I really enjoy the fact that they went through and did or did explain that after the fact. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I went into the 2009 Kelvin timeline movies going, they have thought about setting up a separate timeline and branching off from existing canon through the black hole, through the red matter, through Spock coming back in time and going off in an, in an entirely different direction. I have no problem whatsoever ever with that head canon going through after the fact to explain the design. We're supposed to go into those films suspending our disbelief. So you've Hold got to give second. it a Hold chance on. from you you go into it, giving it a chance and not going, "Oh my god, where did they get all these lights from?" Oh, no, 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 that's not that is here's not my Star Trek. Yourself, get off my lawn. Put yourself in the shoes of people who may not have their ear to the ground as much as we do. Mm -hmm. The fans of Trek that don't read every interview that JJ or Roberto Orsi or Alex Kurtzman do, right? People that just go to watch the film yeah. and then walk out yeah. and wait till the next show, right? right? I, I would imagine that those people <clears throat> walk out going, WTF, what was that? That did not look like Star Trek. That did not look like the bridge of the Enterprise. What What was the purpose I don't of think that? they do. Right? And so, I don't think they do uh, at all. I think they do, no, man. No, I don't you know think, they do. think they do. Because I think I've they go in and they go, conversations that was, like that. they either get taken in by the story and brought along. And if that's the case, then they're not going to walk away going, that bridge was really bright, right? Right? It wasn't just me. No. They're, they're no, going to get I've, taken I've away with the story. Mm, well, apparently the story wasn't enough to carry them away because walking out of it was like, yo, what was that about the bridge? What was this about that? So, I, you know, I just, I, these may be fun, but you know what would be even more entertaining is if an explanation like this was in, you know, soft canon, like a comic book series, like in the, the Countdown series or the, uh, the Nero series or the mm -hmm. Spock series that came out after it, right? Where they kind of, you know, explain it in the comics or in a novel. And then you can say to your friend, oh, well, you know, they were trying this thing with cross promotion and cross marketing and cross media. Here, pick up here. Let me lend you this comic. Oh, wow. This is a great comic. I'm going to go buy it and blah, 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 or share it with my kid or whatnot, right? Like that would be interesting marketing, right? Where it, it just, you know, you cross platforms. But number one, the, even when they have tried it, they don't honor it. They don't, they end up not honoring their own canon, which is a mistake. And that, well, that's just about it. Number two, and then they, number two is that they just simply don't do it. So, you know, I would, I would, as, as rational as that explanation is to me, I just, you know, as a solo film, it doesn't make sense. Okay. So you're letting your, you're, you're being emotional. Uh, you're not being Vul am Vulcan. I? Am I? You are. You're not being, I your Vulcan oh. logic is, has left 
left you. You understand and appreciate your logic, but you haven't rid yourself and cleansed yourself of emotion. Okay. You need to go through and you need to do that in order to accept the logic because logically this works for me. I have have no problem with it. And now I can go back and I'll watch. It could have taken one line. One line. Make sure to get as many scans as possible. We don't know what this ship is. Yeah. And then, all right, then all right, well, they got other scans, right? Little things like that. You know, it just, I'm watching Loki, right? Uh Uh-huh. And it is amazing what Disney has been able to do with their secondary characters. I am so invested in this show and it's about freaking time travel and multi timelines and Star Trek. When I, when I think about timelines and Star Trek, my head wants to explode, right? Because there's just so many of them. And yet here in this show, Loki, they've managed to do it so beautifully and so elegantly. I just, I wish some of the writers would switch over to Star Trek so that we wouldn't have to get side channel explanations in separate interviews. But there's always going to be those after the fact interviews, those after the fact details course, from everything. Of course, of course. From every episode, ev- every But a big series. change like that though shouldn't, a big change like that shouldn't require a side conversation about it. Does the setup of big, the bridge, not a big when one. they come onto the bridge and, and you go, oh my God, it looks like an Apple store. Does that stick with you or is that just a fleeting moment in your brain and then you no, continue on with, with your you, life? No, it sticks with you the entire movie oh, because please. of the, uh, on top of the change, there's lens flare blinding you, keeping you from actually seeing mm-hmm. an actor's facial expression mm-hmm. at a key moment. All of a sudden, you know, there's a serious moment, but no, it's washed away by lens flare. So yes, the whole movie, I'm thinking, ah, the lens flare, the Apple store, what? So is it the lens flare or is it the Apple store that's causing both, you? Both, it's the combination of both. Because you seem to be focusing on the lens flare, which is in t- an entirely separate issue. Again, you're um, you're letting your emotions take control and I need you to cleanse, your, like three day ritual, you need to go through and just cleanse that. I'll send you my therapy bill, <laughs> Roscoe. I'll send you my therapy bill and then we can work on my emotions. <laughs> okay. Well, that leads us to our first emotional community question. Do interviews like these ever come across your radar outside of listening to podcasts like ours? Do they happen to help fill in continuity gaps for you and fill in that headcanon? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, Captains, that's all the logical news we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. In the past week, Star Trek Online has seen a changing fashion scene. Summer is definitely in, with short shorts, shorter bikinis, and transcendent tribbles adding colour to the beautiful riser rainbow at sunset. In orbit and in sector space, starships across the galaxy are sporting their shiny new vanity shields, as players take advantage of the commodity now being available for purchase with dilithium. Their high-cost, premium items and making them available this way is designed to lower the cost of dilithium on the exchange. This week, Star Trek Online community manager Mike Fatem posted a question to Twitter, asking the community for their feedback on other items that players would spend their hard-earned dilithium on over and over. More like a service than a one-off purchase. He said on Twitter, quote, Musing, I'm getting a ton of very good suggestions for already existing 
existing items that we could sell for dill as a sink and those are great but most of them ships for example are things that people only want to buy once as we saw with the vanity shields that stuff has a pretty temporary impact a good dilithium sink is something that people will want to spend dill on over and over the phoenix upgrades were a good idea for this reason so what's something you would pay a lot of dilithium for to have access to over and over elio what would you pay to have access to over and over that you can't purchase right now with dilithium i don't know man that's a interesting question my first thought for me is expanding my duty officer roster it drives me nuts that i have to spend zen on that no i you know it's after all these years i i feel like the duty officer system has peaked in such a way that that I don't, you know, I have the duty officers that I need by now. You can get them now, you know, even as a as a new player, you can get those like must have duty officers. And then beyond that, I just don't see a point to the system, right? So I don't, I wouldn't, I don't care to invest in it, right? It's more now like a just a completion thing. Like, yeah, I want to complete it because it's something to complete. But beyond that, I don't see what benefit it has, right? Like, sure, you can get dilithium by doing it and and some other rewards, but beyond that, it just it's not it. It doesn't impact my gameplay enough for me to want to invest more time in it. You know, honestly, you know, like the lobby store stuff, man. I just, you know, why not? Why not convert the lobby store into a dilithium store and that's it. Get rid of lobby. Why? You know what? There, there's so many currencies in Star Trek Online, whether it's reputation, whether it's a well, it used to be event progress, but reputation and uh, lobby uh, energy credits, Gold platinum. Zen gold press latinum you know all these things that i feel after 10 years we should think about streamlining it and making it easier for incoming players right if star trek online is now focused on you know keeping cheeks and seats somehow and then also enticing potential players from the new trek that is on paramount plus then it can be overwhelming in, in a much grander sense than any other MMO that I think I've ever played. There's just so many currencies, so many different systems that perhaps a currency remap, a currency restructure is one of those things that might just help the game in a much better way. I remember when I first started playing and it took me a really long time to understand the currencies, the different currencies and how they all work. I immediately recognized them. You know, you recognize Dilithium, you recognize Gold Press Latinum, though, because you have knowledge of the, the franchise. But then understanding how they worked, where I could get them, what that purchased, took me a really long time. I, I think I joined in uh, 2014, so around the Solanae expansion, and it was it was a real challenge, and it was it was that baby steps thing of just focus on what you know for a time and then slowly expand it out. But yeah, I, I like the idea of streamlining uh, the currencies because there are a lot of them. For me, Judy, going back to your point about duty officers and that system, for me, uh, it, it's about maxing out and uh, maxing out the the levels across all of the different uh, departments. Uh, it's then about dilithium, other resource, R&D resources, uh, making sure they're available, and also fleet credits. It's a it's a nice little way to generate some uh, passive fleet credits for my fleet because all about the fleet and the armada the other thing about the currencies is that not only are there several currencies but there are also several stores right there are several windows that you can open up and buy something you know what the dilithium store the reputation store obviously the zen store and whatnot but and then you know 
the epic prize pack stores and you know there's so many things that just don't feel organized or streamlined that you almost stumble upon and then go wait what's this that i don't know maybe this is a way to all right well if if dilithium is the time currency then why do we need gold, gold press lanham why do we need what purpose you know, does it uh, serve in the game Apart from right, recognizing right. that it is a part of that universe, what actual purpose does it serve in the game? That would be the question. Right, right. If the idea of, of Dilithium is to keep players playing in order to provide them a method of enhancing their gameplay without spending money, then what's the point of the other ones? Just make everything Dilithium, right? If you want that shield from the from the um, Gold Press Latinum store, well, just why call it gold press lanham just make it dilithium you know keep the mini game why not you know sure keep the mini game as fun and you know gpl is ethereal kind of thing but beyond that i was looking at the gold press lanham store because i've been hanging out on riser hence my disco shirt that i'm wearing today hanging out on riser doing the summer event and there is the the gold press lanham store there so i've been having a look seeing what items are available and yes there's a lot of holographic uh decoys and and decals or whatever you want to call them uh, to change the look of your ship or your your character that's not something that i'm going to do more than once i i don't i don't use that but i would be curious to find out from other players if that is something that they do often do you do it just to use gold press latinum do you do it for fun is or do you even just not bother I, i would be genuinely curious to find out well that leads us to our gaming community question What is the service you keep coming back to over and over in Star Trek Online? Would you like it to be made available for purchase with Dilithium? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Ah, techno babble. The true universal language of the future. Reversing polarities, phase inducers going out of alignment, better run a level 4 diagnostic. All of this plausible nonsense makes us go. Without it, we wouldn't have particles of the week. Engineering would have no miracle workers and there would never be some kind of anomaly. So if you want your Star Trek Adventures campaign to feel truly Trek, you'd better be ready to fucking act like Starfleet's finest, or let the computer handle it for you. On June 25th, Continuing Adventures shared Star Trek Adventures fan Mirko's instructions for making a Roll20 virtual tabletop technobabble generator. Mirko's macro script pulls technobabble terms from random roll tables, according to a do the sciencey science thing template. Players and GMs can use the in-game macro to come up with gems like oscillate the positronic flux membrane with a single click. However, figuring out how much buffer time you'll have for replicator margaritas still falls to you. I love this. I love that this exists, that you can oscillate the positronic flux membrane or decouple the Heisenberg you know, compensators. I may, I may try this out because one of the greatest barriers of entry to me role-playing in any sort of fashion in Star Trek has been the Trekno Babble. I really? just I yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot improv that shit. I I've role played in like in environments like the Matrix Online back when the game was live. Drink. That was easier for me, right? Because I understood the hacker terminology. But Star Trek, I cannot role play to save my life because of that barrier to entry. I you know, I know that they're it's all make believe, but it's still real words, right? And no way. There's no way I'd be able to do it. So maybe this is my this is my uh, entry into it. Yeah, it's it's great. I can I tell you something? I have never 
never properly played a role-playing game ever never i didn't grow up with friends who played dungeons and dragons i've never had the opportunity so something like that i go oh that would be that would be something that would help get me through the door and get again get cheeks on seats it's a nice little extra thing that's going to hopefully bring more people into playing it so for me that yeah okay i'd be interested i'm interested now because that's another thing that i don't have to get my head around Right. But we have news from another Star Trek game too, don't we? That's right. Scopely, the publishers of Star Trek Fleet Command, announced this week they've added two people to their board of directors. One is the initial public offering advisor, Marcy Vu, and the other is former Activision Blizzard president, Coddy Johnson. VentureBeat reports that Vu is a former executive at Catalyst and Morgan Stanley, where she was an advisor on IPOs for companies like Alibaba.com, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, and Zynga. Johnson was the number two executive at Activision Blizzard, which has a market value of $74 billion. Walter Driver, the co-CEO at Scopely, said in an interview, quote, As we think about building more player-centric views of our player experiences versus platform-centric views, I think that experience is really valuable. Coddy Johnson has operated at a tremendous scale. Very few people have had that kind of vantage point of leading such a large organization, both in terms of people and revenue, end quote. So Scopely looking to make sure that whatever game they are producing, the platform is irrelevant. You can have access to their game on whatever platform you decide to play on. That in itself is interesting. And the fact that they're eyeing off Activision Blizzard and going, we, w- we would like some of that. 74 billion, you say? We would we would very much like some of that. Uh, VentureBeat also said that they're, it's likely that this is the company preparing to go public, but no official word from the company itself. Well, that's the news in Star Trek gaming this week. Now, we look on screen with Dr. Michael Chan. On screen. My name is Kima. My mom is an anti-grav ringer at the Utopia Planitia shipyard on Mars. My dad is a quality system supervisor at the Mars Orbital Facility. I know we've been through this a couple of times, but there's a lot going on here. I'm just not going to be able to make it home this year. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed too, sweetheart. Children of Mars was the last episode in season two of Short Treks. This moving story features two young schoolgirls, Kima and Lil, who find themselves in the thick of a cascading interpersonal conflict. The story begins, however, on a much smaller scale, with brief glances into the private lives of these two girls, both of whom have parents that work on Mars. Kima's exchange with her mother is playful and lighthearted. Lil's conversation with her father is frustrated and angry. Exasperated, she cuts the call short because her dad is unable to visit Earth. In a textbook example of pain begetting pain, Lil's private anger spills over into the public sphere when she knocks Kima's bag to the ground at the school shuttle stop, initiating a brutal cycle of bullying and retributive violence. Star Trek is typically a dialogue-heavy franchise, but this short trek breaks from that tradition. 
Apart from the opening scenes, dialogue is sparse in Children of Mars. The heavy narrative lifting is done through action and especially music. In the Star Trek franchise, incidental music is dominated by orchestral pieces. Children of Mars, however, hews a different path by featuring Peter Gabriel's pensive cover of David Bowie's Heroes from 1977. The choice of this song was brilliant and delightful for those who know how and why the song was written. David Bowie released Heroes during his Berlin years when he lived in the German city at the height of the Cold War. Berlin was an icon of the conflict, since it was marred by a dividing wall separating citizens of East and West Germany. Berlin was a microcosm of the larger Cold War conflict. Bowie's initial accounting of the story said that it was inspired by an anonymous couple that would meet by the wall. It was later revealed that the forbidden couple was none other than Bowie's own producer who was meeting with his German mistress. Either way, the song is about the triumph of love despite walls of division and domination. Heroes reaches its climax just as Kima and Lil's conflict boils over into a hallway brawl. With kids voyeuristically gathered around, the two girls pound on one another to the rhythm of the song's most celebrated lyrics. triumphalist tone of Bowie's lyrics contrasts sharply with the hallway fight scene. Ironically, at this point in the story, love is anything but triumphant. The heroism of Lil and Kima won't emerge until the last two minutes of the short. 
While Lil and Kima sit with their backs toward one another, presumably awaiting disciplinary action, Heroes come to its conclusion and is replaced by the more mundane sounds of school announcements, chimes, and hallway footfalls. But the mundane is quickly shoved aside as news begins to flood personal devices and public screens with news of the rogue synth attack. Accompanying the steady stream of tragic news is a more melancholic piano piece. As Lil and Kima absorb the trauma of the synth attack, the wall of rage and pain that once separated them crumbles and melts into empathy, connection, and understanding. This is their heroic moment, when love prevails and the story finally catches up to the music. Children of Mars is a prequel to Picard, but it represents a storyline that ultimately dies on the vine. Instead of generating empathy and connection, the synth attack in Picard season one catalyzes suspicion and isolation, impulses all too familiar from world history. Children of Mars is thoughtful and beautiful. It represents Star Trek's most endearing qualities and potential to tell stories that bridge divides, explore human nature, and plant modest seeds of hope. Now, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. This week's community question was, what do you think about using promo item sales to moderate Star Trek Online's dilithium economy? On Facebook, Matt Black writes, I think it's a good caught with your breaches down quick fix, but it's already been overloaded. They need another dilithium sink, maybe moving costumes into the dilithium store at similar high amounts. I like that idea. I would support that idea. On our Facebook group, Robert Halloway says, I think it's a fantastic idea. In brackets, I know, probably unpopular opinion, but I think it gives players the chance to get items that aren't always readily available to everyone, a chance to get the items. Well, that wraps up episode 515 of Priority One, a rotten Star Trek podcast, but there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. Yeah, you should. Really good. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community questions this week. In general Star Trek news, do interviews like the ones with Roberto Orsi and J.J. Abrams after the new content is dropped even come across your radar if you're not listening to podcasts like ours? Do these interviews that explain creative choices help fill in continuity gaps for you? And in gaming, what other Star Trek Online services from the game would keep you coming back over and over, especially if they're made available with dilithium purchases? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com 
on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. As always, we are humbled by the ongoing support of those of you who find value in this production. Those of you that help us keep the lights on, that help us improve on our content, our technology to deliver the show. Especially now that Audacity might be going away. For more information about how you can support us monthly on Patreon, visit patreon.com forward slash priority one. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, and Kat, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Star Trek Online players. Whether you are new or a veteran, follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Alex, and Lennon. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Do we want to include a community question on that discussion? And the question Uh, could be, is Elio being emotional and not logical in regards to the 2009 Star Trek film? No. Let us know in the comments section. You go back, you pick up a couple of whales, you bring them in. They fit them in a bird of prey, for God's sake. It's huge. How big is a bird of prey? Big enough for at least a couple of whales. But we have news from another Star Trek game too, don't we? That's right, Elio. Scopely, the publishers of Starfleet. Ah, oh, crap. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was too that casual. Was so, that was so like evening news. That's right, Tom. And now, and now back to you, Roscoe. That's right, Tom. Coming to you from the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.